what we do here is go back, 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 back. Maybe, I guess, in, in this uh, optimistic lens, we saved a table. And if you're going to use my table, we saved potential of me getting in trouble for my wife. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. And we had quite the interesting championship weekend. How are you feeling? Feeling good. It was a unfortunate weekend for, you know, where our hearts lie and where I, I wanted to see the games go, transpire to the Super Bowl, but got two really good games. Obviously, I mean, with these two games and those four teams, you were going to get a good matchup in the Super Bowl. So it was fine, you know, but it just happened to be the two teams that didn't prefer to get through. So, but yeah, I'm good, man. I'm excited, but let's, um, I can get into this rundown a little bit. So we're going to hit on the AFC and NFC title games here um, from last week. It feels like forever. Um, you know, we're recording this Thursday morning. I'm going to get it out to you later. Um, but it feels like it's been forever and we're already on to the Super Bowl. But this is the lag week. This is a week where, um, it's Pro Bowl week, but they're doing some kind of virtual thing. I don't even know what's going on there. But, you know, that being said, we're going to get into a little bit of a recap from the games. Um, Bucks Packers, I took that game last week. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll recap it a little bit. Michael will take the Bills Chiefs. Um, we will get into our mortal locks, which were not great at all. And then um, we're going to get into our draft segment. So this is going to be our third edition of our draft segment. Um, so we started with quarterbacks. We did running backs last week. Um, and then we're going to get into, um, you know, the wide receiver, kind of more so pass catcher, right? So wide receiver tight ends. Didn't want to do six wide receivers and six tight ends over the next two weeks. I think we can save you guys there. Um, there it is a good wide receiver class, and there are a handful, you know, a couple um, tight ends that are worth noting. So we took four um, standout wide receivers and two tight ends, paired them together, or added them together, and Mike and I will break that down, go through some hits and misses. I have a special announcement at the end of the pod, and then Mike is going to take us home. So playoff recap, how about you start? Um, you can take the most, as we like to say, the most chalk, the most boring, most no-da game of last weekend. Yeah, so that, as you alluded to, was the Bills against the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs were minus three favorites. You know, everybody knew I was riding with the Bills. I had, you know, some stake in them, you know, had some money on them, hoping that they were going to make it to the Super Bowl, at least get past this game, you know, one game at a time kind of thing. And uh, that just didn't happen. The Chiefs were who we thought they were. You know, this was a big time. Oh, that's right. The Chiefs are the most dominant team in the NFL. How could we forget that Patrick Mahomes, even with a fucked up toe, is you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey is just God awfully good. So it's just one of those things where the Chiefs reminded us who they were. You know, there was so much Bills hype, so much Josh Allen hype. I don't know. I guess it's just one of those uh, recency bias things where you're just going off of who's hot. Not that the Chiefs, you know, have been losing or bad or anything like that, but they've kind of seemed a little mortal um, the last part of the season. And so it's one of those things like maybe – Maybe Josh Allen could, uh, you know, pull this out. But in the end, it did not happen. The Chiefs won 38 to 24. And it was just, a, a you know, a good old 
good old Chiefs beaten. They got it. They got out in front of them, stayed out in front, and it just kind of ran away with it. It was just like, oh yeah, that's right. They are very good. So yeah, not much else on that. Just you know, the Chiefs were the Chiefs, and unfortunately, they're going back to the Super Bowl. So yeah, it was um, it was kind of a weird game to begin with, but you know, the Bills were hanging in. They kind of put up some points um, early, and then and then there was, as you mentioned, I think it was you know from the end of the second to the middle of the third quarter, the Chiefs just went touchdown, 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 and then you're like, okay, there you go. So. You know, they just, they're, they're too much to, to stop. They have too many options, too many weapons. And, and really the Bills were – they had to play perfect really to win. So Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Not stoked about that as a Raider fan, but, you know, here we are. So I will get into um, which on paper was the upset of the week, and that is Bucks-Packers. Bucks, Tom Brady, you've done it again. You smooth, silky SLB. 31-26, they go to Green Bay, they go to Lambeau, take care of business. That was tough because, you know, I had the, I had the Packers winning it all, you know, and they got bounced. You had the Bills winning it all. They got bounced. Um, we had a tough weekend for our brackets, a tough weekend for, you know, your future bet. And I mean, maybe, I guess, in, in this uh, optimistic lens, we saved a table. And if you're going to use my table, we saved – potential of me getting in trouble for my wife. So I think there's things that we can take from this, but I don't like it. And I wish we could have at least gotten to Super Bowl week where you could potentially be going through a table. So, you know, as it relates to the game, the Bucks played, I mean, they played well that there was, there's two, I would probably say three big things that stood out to me during this game. And it was a fantastic game, by the way, at the end of the first half, the, Bucks have the ball and they're driving right around the, you know, 50-ish yard line. They end up getting a first down and it's like eight seconds left. They could kick a long field goal and then they take a shot, right? Um, it's just like, I think at the 45-yard line, right? So they, they take a shot with eight seconds left and Brady just throws a bomb to Scotty Miller down the left, left sideline. And it's like the corner was had this inside leverage which was odd um so it seemed like they were it was some type of mixed cover three but the corner ended up playing inside leverage which once again doesn't make sense in the event that they want to throw to the sideline and he wasn't playing over the top so um and it was kevin king who had a rough day overall but so he plays you know he tries to run stride for stride compared to dropping in his zone and um you know, really working outside in. And so Scotty Miller just beats him, toasts him, and Brady just throws it over the top of him. And that was a big touchdown going into the second half. Um, so that was one play. Another um, just in general play was, or not very moment, was Brady threw three picks overall, and there was like two back-to-back. It was late third, early fourth quarter. And, you know, the Packers couldn't capitalize on it. So Turnovers late. We talked about that last week, just who can win the turnover battle. And they won the turnover battle, but they couldn't capitalize on it. And then the last one is, um, you know, the Bucks go down and they kick a field goal and we get it to 31-23, right? And so what is it? Uh, four minutes left. Packers have the ball. We're like, okay, cool. 31-23, go down, score a touchdown, two point. Let's go to overtime. Let's rock this thing. Packers drive, 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 drive. Get to third and goal. Well, it was like 220 left. Third and goal. Rodgers, shotgun, steps up in the pocket, 
looked like he had room to run. You could say that he could have made it. I think there are some people that believe he would have got caught, but he ends up not running the ball as he stepped into the pocket, forced into a window. It got broken up. I'm of the belief that he's, I think he should have ran it regardless, just even if he wasn't going to score a touchdown because he at least could have got down to the three, four-yard line. Um, so he throws an incomplete fourth and goal in the eight. The Green Bay Packers head coach sends out the field goal team um, to keep the field goal, and people are losing their, their shit about it, right? And there's a couple different reasons. It's kick field goal, and it's 31-26. You still need to stop. But they had three timeouts. They still had two two minute warning. So that was kind of a question mark. But if you do go for it and you give it to them there, you still gonna have to get a stop anyways. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting decision. Um, they ended up picking the field goal 31 26 bucks, get the ball. They convert, um, get two first downs, game over. So did you want Tom Brady to have the ball in their hands, his hands? No, not necessarily. You have Aaron Rodgers. You didn't trust either one on that. So I don't know. It was a weird game, but. We have Brady, Mahomes in the Super Bowl. We will dive fully into that next week. Micah, our mortal locks were boom roasted. They got smoked. Not a great way to end, but um, hopefully we can end our mortal locks next week on high note. Unless you want to put a mortal lock in on the virtual Pro Bowl, which I don't even think it has odds. But any thoughts before we move into this draft segment? No, I think that, you know, I, I feel the same way as probably the rest of the world does and like you know you have arguably the best quarterback in football outside of the guy opposite on the opposite sideline why don't you go for it and the word came out that uh, uh lafleur told rogers you can have third down like you can you it's your choice you pick and he kind of said if i knew that we were going to kick a field goal on fourth down i, I would have gone about it a little differently so a little trouble in paradise there unfortunately it just it's unfortunate that they had that kind of, you know, just that kind of miscommunication in general in that big of a situation. So, you know, they still had a chance and it came down to that pass interference also, you know, but they kind of botched it in the beginning. Yeah. So, but, you know, uh, same, same notion as everybody, you know, should have gone for it. They didn't, they lost. That's it. Yep. That's how it goes. Um, so bring on the Aaron Rodgers trade rumors to everyone and their teams that don't have quarterbacks, whatever those cutouts that they're doing with Deshaun, putting them in him in Jets jerseys and things like that. So, well, cool. So like I alluded to in the beginning, you know, we're going to go through our draft segment here. We're going to take four, um, four wide receivers, two tight ends. I feel like we have the top four wide receivers. Um, I think number four, there's probably an argument, but I don't think there's an argument on the top three, at least. So Mike is going to have number one, three, and five, five being um, the number one tight end. I will have the second and fourth wide receiver and number six being the second tight end. If you guys are keeping track at home, top four, top two, you can do the math. So, Micah, why don't you start us off with the number one wide receiver in this NFL draft? Yeah, so getting into it, uh, first wide receiver, I think on just about everybody's board, is Jamar Chase, a six-foot, 208-pound wide receiver at LSU. He had one of the most spectacular seasons in 2019 as did the whole LSU offense Joe Burrow everybody out there it was just phenomenal but he put up 1780 yards 20 touchdowns on 84 receptions had a great season Um, he ended up opting out this year 2020 didn't play decided to focus on the draft I think that was one of those things where you know kind of already saw his best and uh, you know probably would have just done 
more to hurt him if he didn't have that good of a season. Fresh quarterback too. Who knows where that would win? Anyways, um, yeah, he's kind of just a he's kind of all around package. Um, it, it's interesting because you. You know, one thing people do when they go into the draft, they look at the quote unquote measurables. He's not the biggest dude. You know, like I said, six foot, 208. He's kind of a, a thicker body, but he plays like he's six five. The dude is physical. He can go up and get the ball. And uh, he's not necessarily the fastest guy either, but he, the way he runs his route, the way he gets separation on seam routes, streak routes, anything like that is makes it seem like he's, you know, essentially faster than he kind of is if you were to look at a 40 time. Some of his best traits and qualities that he has is, uh, like I said, he's physical. He plays above the rim. He plays more physical than his body stature would indicate that you think you might think he would. Um, he is aggressive at the ball, very strong hands. He'll go up and get anything. He'll attack the ball. He'll high point it. He'll get to it before you know anyone else does, and he's very good at tracking the ball and reading it. What he can do with the ball once he gets it is another strong part of his game, being able to make people miss and just, you know, hit a second gear once he's got the ball to kind of, you know, get past some people, outruns people once he makes the first thing miss. He's one of those guys that could, um, you know, take a quick slant or, uh, you know, a post over the middle and just take it to the house once he's got the ball. So if there were any concerns about his game, it would probably be that his route running in the sense of um, getting in and out of his breaks quickly, it's not the most crisp but that is something that you can learn at the NFL level to be better in and out of your routes. But the way he runs his routes, he gets separation regardless. Like I said, you look at it and it, the, the measurables on paper, you're like, uh, it's not super standout on it. But, you know, his game speed, the way he plays is at an elite level, even though, you know, his traits don't necessarily reflect that. So he is the most well-rounded receiver in this draft. A lot of the things that are questionable about his game are stuff that can be taught, that can be learned at the next level. It's kind of average when it comes to his route tree. So that'll, you know, getting more advanced in the route tree is going to be better for him at the next level. And that's, that's something that, like I said, can be taught. So he's someone that is elite at being a receiver, which is a weird thing to say, but he, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, he's got elite hands. He's got elite physicality. And along with what you were kind of indicating with the running backs, his body control is elite as well. Kind of knowing, anticipating his breaks, anticipating where he's at with the defender, you know, where the, where the sideline's at, being able to adjust his body, when to get up for the ball, where to go for it, and just like the body control of being able to make things happen with the ball in his hand, you know, anticipating defenders' angles, stuff like that. He's very good at. So you look at it and it's like, okay, He's above average route running. He's got great separation. He's great when it comes to being physical and he can make things happen with the ball in his hand. So he's elite at being a receiver, but you know, it, people try to break it down so much by six or seven different categories of can he high point? Can he get in and out of his breaks? Is he good at route running? Is he fast? All these things. And he's someone that is above average at a lot of the things and elite in a few things, but Overall, he's just elite at being a receiver, and that's the kind of guy that you want that's on the field. His game speed and his game play is second to none. So for my player comp for Jamar Chase is going to be Michael Crabtree, someone who isn't necessarily uh, going to you know, go out there and burn you, um, run right past you. Um, he can create separation once he's got, once he's got a little bit of it, and you know, it, it can 
get past you if you're flat-footed or if you know a little bit slower of a cornerback. Very similar build uh, coming out of college. Crabtree was six one or six two at two fifteen. You're looking at six foot two oh eight for Chase. So like Crabtree, he's just physical. He's gonna go up and get a ball. He's gonna body you. He's gonna you know make the play happen. He's gonna lower his shoulder to try to run through you before he you know goes out of bounds. And just overall physical dude that I think very can very well be you know one of the elite receivers in the league. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think it's it's interesting because um, he opted uh, out of the year and. If anyone was around this time last year, you know, at the end of the NCAA season with the, you know, championship game and LSU just taking it, they were, you know, everyone was just riding this guy saying he's, he's the clear cut number one. And if he went out, you know, in the NFL draft last year, he would have been the number one. And then he, he opts out and of the, of the year, you know, which is his choice. And then I'm not saying he's forgotten because I think you see the top actual NFL analysts or draft analysts that you should be paying attention to. They haven't forgotten, but you know, the Devonta Smith, um, Jalen Waddle could go banged up, but you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of just forget because it's, it's the recency bias of everything. It's what was the last tape that you saw. And, oh, you saw Devonta Smith winning the Heisman and you saw him Alabama winning the title. So um, it, not to say that I'm not taking anything away from Devonta Smith, which who I'm going to um, do right now. And, it, and it's hard to not say Devonta Smith. Even it's Devonta and I'm having a hard time with that. So I might just call him D Smith. But so that's what I have is number two is, is Devonta Smith, Alabama. You know, 6'1", 175. I don't, I don't really need to go in and do the stats. He was just it was basically like a video game. He had an insane year. Um, Jalen Waddle goes down early in the year um, for Bama. He steps up as the clear-cut number one, and he ends up winning the Heisman, which is the first you know first Heisman winner since Desmond Howard. Actually, should have been a trivia question for you, but you probably would have got it. So, you know, to some of his strengths that, you know, just want to outline a couple of things, you know, his route running separation, I think it's – He's not elite speed. You know, he's a four-four guy. You know, but more so high four-fours and low four-fours, which can be a difference. But it's clean route running, um, separation at the top of his route. You know, every Alabama receiver comes out very polished that way. He's he's no slouch in that sense. So um, another thing is just it's really playmaking, and we didn't really get into traits about receivers which we've done with quarterbacks and running backs. But you know, we kind of wanted to just be able to break it down and. I don't know if there's an ideal wide receiver. That's another reason why we may have, you know, that we didn't do it is because there's not just this, okay, here's wide receiver one. And, you know, traditionally it's like 6'4", 230, big body, but it's like, no, they come in all shapes and sizes. So as far as, you know, Smith is concerned, just his, really his playmaking um, is, is kind of what I look at. And, you know, they get him involved in bubble screens. They get him involved in, you know, go routes, they, you know, different double moves, slants, different, you know, he's all across the formation, all across the, you know, the defense and, and they use him in different ways. So he does, even though he doesn't have that just clear cut, you know, four two Henry Ruggs, Tyreek Hill speed, he does have a second gear, which is, I think is important after the catch, trust his hands a lot. Um, and, you know, being six one, not super tall, but um, he does have long arms. I think everyone's seen that. Um, so that makes those 50, 50 contested balls a little bit more 60, 40, 70, 30 in his favor. So, you know, he's, he is thin, but he makes up for those um, contested catches with an, um, you know, not big enough size, but he's able to make up for it by incredible vertical um, and being able to get up there, high point it, different things like that. So another thing too is, is really character. Um, I, I really care about that, especially from wide receivers. Um, don't be a diva. You know, be someone who who grinds, who's a team first guy. And he was a team first guy. He is a team first guy. He works hard. My baby is in the background commenting on my on my commenting. So 
she might have some different feelings about Devonta Smith, but I just think he's someone that's going to work and he's going to grind. He's going to be exactly what the team needs. So, you know, question marks is, is really, is it, is it strength? He's 175 and that's real thin. It's pretty small. And when it's one thing against the SEC, which they have some good dudes, but you know, a lot of the time they were worried about his speed or worried about um, the different formations that they're going to put him in or really matchups they're going to put him in. So not a lot of press coverage. And if it was press coverage, they had help over the top, but can he beat press coverage? Look at, look at rugs. Sorry. Look at Hollywood Brown guys that are, you know, under 190. You know, I know that they're hovering around the 190, 200 range. This guy's 175. So can he beat press coverage in the NFL? That's going to be a big question mark. And then can he be as effective, you know, as he was in college, which is just going to be tough. How it translates. I think it will translate well. I think he will have a lot of production, but a lot of system, um, how they utilize him across the, you know, across the offense is going to be critical. So my comparison, and I don't mean to be lazy here, but from build, from route running, just from, you know, overall what he, what he looks like is Calvin Ridley. So on the Falcons, and it's just more like tall, you know, not tall, but like lean, crisp, not over explosive. Ridley was a four, four, seven guy. Um, so that kind of build and that kind of style is more Calvin Ridley. And then I wanted to go more so production because he was incredibly productive, right? And, and he won the Heisman, for goodness sake, you know, as a receiver. And I, I think production-wise, top end, it's, it's Antonio Brown. And I don't like talking about Antonio Brown, but if you think of the way Antonio Brown was used in that Steelers offense, bubble screens, slants, go routes, double moves, it was everything, right? Because he was so good at route running, because he was so good at every little you know, thing, but wasn't just uber, you know, he wasn't super tall. And, and, and Antonio Brown was more of like, different build right so that's why I went to build with Calvin Ridley but how he's going to be used should be like Antonio Brown speed sweeps in the slot motion across whatever it is right and I think that's that's how at his top end he can be used and how the production is going to look because it would be like you watch a Steelers game in the third quarter you're like whoa he has eight catches for you know one or two already you know it's just like it's he gets in the offense he gets incorporated and he just has chunk plays here and there he takes a bubble screen that got blown up and he gets six or seven yards out of it, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with his confident, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a B, but from a production standpoint, that's what I see. And who knows, you know, I just, I think Jamar Chase is the guy. I'm the one that rank, ranks these guys with your, with your approval. So I'll hang my hat on Chase, but we'll see. I think it's going to be fun. We'll see how teams value um, wide receivers really, because it is a deep class. Um, we probably could have had a whole segment on like 10 receivers and gone through it, but that's Devonta Smith. It's going to be fun to watch. We'll see where he goes. I mean, as much as he's probably a top seven player in the, in the draft, receivers traditionally fall, you know, top 15 because of need, because the draft is deeper, things like that. So I'd expect somewhere in the top 12, top 13. Obviously, could be earlier, but we'll see. So number three, kick it over to you. Yeah, number three is no one benefited more from his injury, unfortunately, than Devonta Smith, and that would be his teammate Jalen Waddle all these both these guys Smith and Waddle kind of buried on the depth chart the last few years when you got people like Ruggs and Jerry Judy and all these Alabama guys coming out and that they just always have a stable wide receivers but Jalen Waddle uh, really started making his name um, as a return specialist and was just lights out there and a lot of people projected him to potentially be a for sure number two, maybe battle and chase for that number one spot, depending on how things I mean, went. And by all accounts, might have made a run for that potential uh, Heisman if he would have played a full season. But 
essentially he uh, he is very very similar in their offense as as they use kind of rugs last year. He's a fast guy. He can line up outside. He can line up in the slot. He's lined up as an H back, you know, and ran different plays like that. He's just he's really fast. He's going to be. Well, they're not doing the combine, but he's by all account purposes pegged as as the fastest guy in the draft this year. Uh, he is five uh, ten. 185. Uh, he's just one of those guys that can make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, he's going to get a very similar, very similar uh, grade talk as Ruggs did last year, as far as, you know, someone who didn't overly perform on the stat sheet, mainly due to because of, you know, the amount of other wide receivers they have around him. You know, we, we've said it before, there's only one ball and you can only, um, you know, get it to, you know, one person at a time kind of thing. But he was very productive when he got the chance and is someone who's got elite speed, obviously. Uh, he is average when it comes to his route running. He's got good hands, but he, you know, he's got some things that he needs to work on at the next level. I think that he's going to be one of those guys that you're going to scheme it up to get the ball in his hands, whether that's bubble screens, whether that's, you know, getting him, you know, to blow the top off a of defense like he can, you know, getting a lot of motion stuff, you know, essentially it's, this isn't going to be my player comp, but it's very, you know, and, and it's kind of also another lazy thing to say, but similar to like how Tyreek Hill is used as, you know, that fast guy and is someone that can be just as effective without the ball in his hands as he is with the ball in his hands, uh, just because defenses have to worry about him, have to worry about his speed and everything like that. So I think it's going to be interesting where he goes, especially after this injury. Uh, like you said, it's very deep class. He's someone that could be taken in the top 15 and um, by all accounts probably will. Uh, he could be someone that drops more towards the back half of the, of the draft uh, just because of kind of overall size and, you know, the question marks on, on his ankle, but you know, he's just one of those, he's one of those receivers that they're just going to teams are just going to scheme up. They're going to get him involved in their playbook and they're going to get him the ball so he can do what he does. Uh, my comp for him. Interesting that you, you mentioned it previous is uh, Hollywood Brown, someone who has elite speed and can make things happen because of his speed. He's not just a fast guy. He can, he can catch, he, you know, but he needs to improve on route running and he needs to improve on advancing in the other parts of being a receiver outside of just being able to take the top off of things. You know, I, I would say that his comp then would be Hollywood Brown, but better. Uh, I think, you know, Hollywood Brown has been okay, but maybe not necessarily the best fit for him in the Ravens offense because of how much Lamar Jackson runs the ball and, you know, their, their run game is involved in their offense more so. But I think that's the type of, that's the type of person you're going to see him be is that fast guy that's going to defense is going to have to worry about, um, but they're going to have to work on trying to get him the ball. We've seen, you know, with rugs, it's kind of hard, you know, in press coverage at the NFL level, try to get off of corners being physical and that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops that way. But by all accounts, he's a, you know, home run hitter receiver and is definitely going to be one of the more intriguing guys on, on where he goes and how he's used. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think all three of these guys, the top three are, are pretty good and, and we'll see how teams value them and we'll see how teams depend on top 17 where, where they would fit. So yeah, I think, like last year, Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, you know, 
all di- all of them had different skills. Um, they had different, you know, strengths and weaknesses. So we'll see how they fit. But let me touch on this um, fourth wide receiver before we get into our two tight ends. So this is Kadarius Tony, um, Florida, six foot one ninety three. Um, someone that's came on um, this year a lot. You know, I know he's showing out a little bit in, this, in the Senior Bowl as that's going this week. But um, he's explosive, man. He's a playmaker. He's and I know I say that a lot, but it's like when I look at a wide receiver team or wide receiver group, at least it's, it's a basketball team, right? So who's your point guard? Who's, who's your shooting guard? Who's your power forward, right? So it's like based off of what you have in that room. So I think he's someone who's just, he is, he is your shooting guard. He is someone that is, you know, you can move him around. Who's going to just kind of just put up points in a, in a hurry, right? Get it, get hot and, and be explosive and move him around and different things like that. So explosive, he's a playmaker with a ball in his hands, good in the punt return and kick return game. You know, he can play slot. He can play from the backfield. He can play out, out wide, you know, different things like that. He is a little undersized being six foot, but he does have, you know, good, good build at 193. So um, some of the question marks really is um, I think he's a little limited with his route tree. Um, you can, I guess, make up for that depending on the scheme, you know, um, but he's not going to be the guy like a Smith or a Chase, I would say, that, that can really run every route out there and that you have to plan for. So he's a limited route runner and maybe a, a one-trick pony, I guess, that follows that. It's like he, he is – he's quick, he's fast, he's, he's – um, He's explosive, but, you know, are you really one, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, is he, is he able to beat press coverage again? Is he able to differentiate himself with his route running? Um, can he get in and out of his cuts, things like that? That's what I worry about. Um, and so my comp is, is really Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is more like 205, so he's a little bit more rocked up, built like a running back. But um, I think the usage is going to be similar, um, how Shanahan has used Debo. So um, I would just look at that from how he fits within a team, within an offense. And I think if he is in kind of like a Shanahan offense where there's a lot of motion, there's a lot of, you know, speed sweeps, you know, whatever it is, I think he can be utilized well. And I think he'd be very productive. You know, if you have um, wide receivers in that room that, you know, you have your true X wide receiver, then you have your um, true slot guy. You know, this is another slot guy that you can move around and be able to at least threat the, the threat the defense. So I think he's like a Debo Samuel. I think it's going to be fun to see, you know, he could get top, you know, I guess he can get at the bottom end of round one or, or be a, a steal in round two like Debo was. So we'll see how it goes, um, you know, with no combine. I think it's going to be interesting. So let's move on to number five, tight end one. Who you got? Yeah, so tight end one, we got Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. He is someone who has really lined up all over the place, you know. He's labeled as a tight end, probably purely because of his size uh, more than anything. But when we were talking about doing this wide receiver thing, like you said, we were like, okay, well, we'll let, maybe let's group the, the tight ends together and, and kind of label it as a, as a pass catcher, you know, group, not just a wide receiver group. And that's kind of, that's kind of really a big part of who he is. He can line up anywhere. He's not necessarily just a tight end. He's, he's a pass catcher. He's big. He's physical. 6'6", 245. And really has just come into his own as being as being a, a fast physical player and he is got great burst off the line he's got uh, good speed especially in and out of his breaks as well for for a big guy he's very nimble for a big guy uh, he's one of those people that can once he's got the ball in his hand kind of you know deceive you with how fast he is and how big he is and just kind of turn on the jets and, and get out of there and He's got great hands. He, he can attack the ball. You know, he's, he's got such a long frame that high pointing is, is a big thing that he's, he's great at. He's a red zone threat. He is decent at blocking. Um, he's not the best 
Uh, I think a, a big part of, of him having success in that is his long frame. He's able to use his length to, you know, get around people and kind of get his arms into them and, and, and really keep separation that way with a huge wingspan. That's going to probably be his, I guess, biggest downfall as a player. And the one thing he's going to need to work on the most in the NFL is really just his blocking. And that's going to come along with, you know, putting on some weight, a little bit of weight and then bulking up a little bit, but getting into an NFL program. But he's, he's an elite tight end, an elite pass catcher, someone you can put in line. You could put him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in a three point on the line of scrimmage to block for you or, you know, uh, get some type of delayed, delayed block and go out for a pass. He's, he's just quick uh, in, in that regards that he can transition to those things really well. You know, the pass catching tight end is so val you know, so valuable nowadays. You see with with Kelsey and 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 Greg Kittle, you know, Kittle more so of a of a all well-rounded blocker as well and whatnot, do it all kind of guy. But uh, you see these type of players being really valued in the NFL nowadays. So I think he's gonna transition well into the NFL um and, and go right into one of those tight end one roles for my player comp. I don't know if it's just an easy one to call out or not being a Raider fan, but that's going to be Darren Waller. You know, Waller played receiver at Georgia Tech in college and then transitioned to a tight end and and obviously kind of came on late with his career because of off-the-field issues that all the media never forgets to bring up anytime they're talking about Darren Waller. But he is someone that can play wide receiver very well. He can line up anywhere. Uh, you can ask him to really do anything. It, Waller's kind of the same sense where he's like not the best blocker as a tight end. He's decent. He can make these blocks. He can get around. But, you know, guys can kind of get in if they get into him, you know, DNs and, and linebackers coming down. They can, you know, kind of knock him off his off his stability a little bit. So I think that all in all, he's going to be one of those kind of guys that can go out there and be an elite pass catcher for you. He's the ultimate mismatch um, against anybody you try to put up against him. So. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, that's my call. Yeah, I think Pitts is going to be very intriguing to see where he goes. Truly a special talent, and you know, one of the biggest things he's had is he's just he's a mismatch. He, he's a he's someone that that's where the NFL is going with every skill position is the mismatches and when work when we get you know advantages in these sets and when work when we get so someone like him that's good enough to block and good enough to flex out is, is highly valuable and will be coveted um, in the NFL draft. So. So there's a, you know, tight end two is, 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 is kind of up for debate. There's Brevin Jordan and there's also Pat Freer of us. I think that's his last name. He's at Penn State and that's who I'm taking. So Brevin Jordan is more of the, um, the breed of Kyle Pitts. So I went a little bit differently, but 6'5", 256 out of Penn State. He's tough, physical. Um, he's good in the run game. Not great. Not a great kettle type blocker, but he is versatile. Um, can be used inside and outside of the formations. Um, he has reliable hands. You know, he's not someone as explosive as Pitts. He's not going to be able to have that Darren Waller impact. Um, you know, not not a Travis Kelsey with how well he runs routes. You know, Travis Kelsey isn't as explosive speed-wise, um, athletic-wise as Waller. But, um, you know, I think Pat is someone that – I'm not even going to say his last name. Pat is someone that is um, reliable. And, you know, he'll, he'll be a starter in the NFL round two, round three probably. But I think if you can have a reliable tight end, you can have someone that can be in the running game, be physical – and to where when he's out there, you know, it's not just, okay, this is probably going to be a pass, right? So he's good. He's well-rounded. Um, but I think the question marks, he's not very explosive in really what's his true ceiling. So I think it's just someone that has a high floor, low ceiling, you know, it's like, you're not low ceiling, but like, you know, average ceiling, low floor, 
or high floor, excuse me. You know what you're getting with them. You know that you're going to get someone that's solid. Um, ceiling might not be that high. He might not be able to take the top off the defense or make people miss. You know, tight ends out usually, but there's a couple different ones out there, like we mentioned. So my comp is Hunter Henry. If you think about it, you know, not overly powerful in the run game, but good enough. You know, someone that runs good routes, has reliable hands, um, and can really impact the defense. I think you've seen Hunter Henry's production, and that's kind of what I think he will fit into. And then an NFL team will get some reliable in that sense. So that's it for, for these guys, um, you know, hits and misses. You want to run through a couple um, before we close it out? Yeah, yeah, I'll run through my two real quick. And um, they they both are coming from actually the same draft class. Um, so my the first one that I will say was a hit in the sense of, you know, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't big on this dude and it ended up panning out. And that was Kevin white. There was so much hype around Kevin white going into that draft kind of came on a little late. You know, Amari Cooper was the big name in that draft. The, you know, well-polished all around great receiver uh, coming out of Alabama, you know, and then Kevin white burst onto the scene uh, and, you know, was one of those guys that was like, yeah, he'll, he'll burn you deep. He'll do everything big bodied kind of guy. And I just remember thinking like, this guy's not that good. He's kind of like, like you mentioned earlier, it seemed like just kind of a one trick pony, you know, and, and was like, people were hyping him up and he was all about it. And I was like, no, this dude, like this dude sucks. And he doesn't suck, but it's like, he's not, he's not, he shouldn't be the number one wide receiver taken. And I was really worried the Raiders were going to take him because of how much hype he got. And it was, it really got down to like, it it was almost a 50, 50 shot on whether it was Amari Cooper or him taken. Luckily we took Amari Cooper came out on the, the better side of that. The bears took Kevin white. I think Kevin white was a rookie for six straight years because of <laughs> injuries or, or, and whatnot. But, um, and then my, my second one that I, I was all about, that 100% did not pan out was a receiver technically out of Missouri, even though he was suspended for the last year that he played in, in college. And that's Doriel Green Beckham. And I remember being so high on this dude, like this, this guy, he's so physical. He's so big. Like he's, he's raw. He, you know, he'll need to be developed, but he's going to be something in the NFL. Like, a lot of people are knocking him because he got in trouble at Missouri, ended up getting suspended. You know, his last year of eligibility, he didn't he didn't play. And he ended up getting drafted by the Titans and didn't do anything. I don't even know uh, how far he got into his career um, and maybe maybe a couple years. But like I was so big on the dude. Um, I believe he was drafted in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. Big on him. He fizzled out probably even quicker than Monte Ball did. Good name. I, I forgot about DGB. Well, I just have a, a couple of misses here. Um, wide receiver is so tough, but it's also easy to get hyped. And one of the biggest ones I was hyped on was Tavon Austin, West Virginia. If you ever watched his West Virginia highlight film um, or even his high school highlight film that I used to watch an insane amount of times for some reason, but he would have been great. Like if he came out in 2021, he probably would have been awesome. Um, but when he came out, it wasn't really where the NFL was at the time. Um, he's gotten some options. He's still bounced around teams just to give him a shot, but um, he's a little older now. So Tavon Austin, I was really big on. And then Braylon Edwards, you know, he was fine. Like he was okay for the Browns. He got, he's a top five draft pick, but you know, he wasn't Julio. He wasn't going to be this Calvin Johnson, you know, what he was in Michigan. And Braylon was so good. I liked Michigan. I liked tracking Michigan um, at the time. And so it was one of those things where like, this guy's going to be good. And he wasn't. So, you know, it's all good. Braylon, but we could probably talk about hits and misses for a long time on this. 
Well, that's it. That's our draft segment. Before you take us home, I do have an announcement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with not my actual announcement, but more so breaking news is Deshaun Watson has actually requested for a trade. Um, I think we knew it all along, but officially as we were recording this, that's why I was looking at my phone a little bit earlier, is he requested for a trade. They just hired um, the Texans, just hired their um, you know new head coach, which was interesting. Um, now that all the coaches have been hired, maybe we'll touch on that next week or the week after, but um, Deshaun Watson has requested for a trade. But my announcement is um, this weekend is the big weekend. Um, and you'd be like, Andy, how's it a big weekend? There's no football. And I'm like, I, I don't know how it's a big weekend. There is no football. But here's why it's a big weekend is um, on Monday is Mike's birthday, February 1st. Mark on your calendars. Please send him you know, gift cards, hugs, love. But also a big weekend because on Monday, February 1st, Micah will be participating in something very special. Would you like to elaborate for the fans out there on what you'll be doing outside of celebrating your birthday on Monday? February 1st. Yeah, so it really all started uh, with you and your generosity for an early birthday present for me. And that is, uh, you signed me up for a subscription to the Draft Scout. And for anybody who knows, we've mentioned we're big, we were big on stick to football. We had our guy Connor Rogers on. Their main co-host was Matt Miller, and he worked for Bleacher Report and covering the draft the last eight, eight or nine years. Has since left Bleacher Report contract ran out and he started his own website called the draft scout. Um, and it's anything in all, uh, NFL draft, uh, college football stuff. And, you know, you signed me up as a, a VIP subscriber. And one of the things that came along with that is the opportunity. Um, if you got your name in quick enough, um, to represent whichever team you'd like in a one round mock draft that will be going on on the first. So we got the email about it at the time, you know, the, it was, it was one of those things where like, you're going to get the email on how to do this first person to get their name in gets it 7am sitting there waiting for the email to come 703 got the email replied instantly ended up getting it by, you know, a minute or so. Cause I'm, I'm talking with some of the other the other Raider fans uh, in the discord app. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. It's almost like just like a, a channel thing you have to be invited to. Uh, but he put, he basically created one of those anyways, uh, talking with other Raider guys talking about when we got ours in and, and I got mine in first. So uh, I get to be head GM for the Raiders in this one round mock draft. It's going to be very exciting, even better that it's on my birthday. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, I'm going to figure out a way for Andy to be in my war room, whether that's, uh, you know, against the rules or, or not. But yeah, uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be really fun. And, and it's all because of you. No, it, it's not really, man. I mean, it was something that I saw. That I was like, oh, that'd be fun. Um, if Mike had the subscription, I was like, his birthday's coming up. I want to give him something. But then once he said, hey, if you can get, you know, get subscribed, you can, you know, participate in this live mock draft and be the GM. I was like, all right, I'm going in. So, you know, petition for him a little bit. It's going to be fun. What, regardless whether I'm in your war room or not, physically, mentally, I will be there. I'll make sure you have enough of my information and my perspective to collude your brain as much as I can, as I do. But um, no, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. And I'm just, I'm letting those other GMs know that it, we're coming after you guys. Michael will be there. He'll be representing the Raiders at number 17. So I hope your big boards dialed everyone else, other 31 teams, because the Raiders, they're going to be dialed for sure. So, but that was it. That's all I got for the week, man. Excited. We'll get into the Super Bowl preview next week, but we can take some. Yeah. As always, uh, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Please share, subscribe, rate, review. Give us those five stars. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Anywhere you see us. 
just continue to give us love and, and help grow the brand. And uh, we appreciate y'all. We hope you appreciate what we're trying to do here with the draft stuff and the coverage of all that. So, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend, birthday weekend, even though there's not any football on. We're going into the Super Bowl next week. We'll have some uh, cool little tidbits to add into there when we do our preview. But till then, we'll see you all next week. Greater Nation, stand up. Love you guys. Micah, peace out. Later.